Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever, sporting some Manchester United gear, if you're watching us on YouTube today. There we go, Adidas Originals, which is what I'm in most days, Adidas or Palace. So, yes, here I am today. We're a few days off after the Chelsea game and before the Sheriff match. And uh, we're just going to chat through to see what the news is with Manchester United. Yep, we are coming off the back of a 1-1 draw with Chelsea. A dramatic, deserved point, I think. Uh, We'll talk about the game. Uh, Casemiro with a late header after a penalty was given away in the 86th, 87th minute. It seemed like Man United would be losing a game they didn't deserve to lose. But they dragged it out and they managed to get a point, which was the minimum I think they should have been taking. We'll talk about that. We've had a few days to reflect on it. We'll you know, United dominated the game for 35 minutes or so before uh, Graham Potter had to make a change. Uh, one person who was not there for that was Cristiano Ronaldo. We'll obviously have to talk about him. He's due to meet Eric Ten Hag on Tuesday, I believe, uh, and thrash out exactly how to proceed moving forward after he stormed off the bench during last week's win over Spurs. We'll talk about uh, Rafa Varane's injury and what happens now. He will miss by the looks of it, the remainder of United's uh, season prior to the World Cup. And he's a doubt for France's opening World Cup game, although he was in tears coming off the pitch at Stamford Bridge. But I don't think he's as bad as first feared. So hopefully he does get to go to the World Cup with France and play for them. Harry Maguire is returning from injury, so we'll talk about that. Um, We'll talk about who partners Lisandro Martinez, the butcher in central defence for the coming weeks. We'll do a bit of talk on Antonio Conte and Harry Kane as well, for some reason. not uh, <laughs> there's, there's links to Man United. We'll, we'll get into that later. We'll talk about the UEL game against Sheriff as well. But you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes, and watch us on Tuesdays and Fridays on YouTube. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment, and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at PromisedLandMU. Rob, uh, the Chelsea game was... It, did you find it drab or did you find it interesting? Because I'm, I'm <clears> hearing <throat> the Chelsea perspective is that was one of the worst games I've ever seen. But I was quite fascinated by how United dominated the midfield. For I, I don't remember when United dominated midfield without... We've seen them win the midfield battle now and again in big matches by force and by energy and mm. by desire. I think of... You don't associate that with Man United over the last few years, but there was a time where, you know, they beat Man City thanks to that intensity. But this one was a this was different. I know they outnumbered Chelsea in midfield, and once Mateo Kovacic came back on or came on, it did balance out. But Ten Hag showing suggestions that we're moving in the right direction, aren't isn't he? Yeah, I think it shows how fans have a perspective of a match that they watch depending on on the outcome or how they feel about it. Because <clears throat> there's no doubt if you're a Chelsea fan with having, what, three shots on target for the match, 
they didn't play particularly well, did they? You know, and I think when you look at the balance of it, Man United had more the lion's share of the game. You know, I think domination is a, I don't know, kind of liberal word to kind of describe how United played. But what United did do was it did their work. And I think this is what we're seeing now in repetition with Ten Hag, is that these guys now know what the drill is. And that's like, you know, we were talking about previous games and obviously the Spurs game as well and saying that's the standard. That is how every game has to be for Man United. Now, you have to have at least that minimum value in all of your work. So I actually thought it was a really good game. Like I, I enjoyed the match and I was just tweeting right in the 90th minute kind of out for my show that I was going to do about, oh, you know, bad day at the office for United, unfortunate. When Casemiro rose up like a salmon there at the back stick, heads it over Kepper, Kepper pushes it onto the post, it rolls on the line. I didn't think it went over the line, first of all, but thankfully goal line technology exists and shows that it did go over the line. But uh, I think overall a really good point, you know, like you don't celebrate draws like wins, but that was absolutely, you saw from the players how they went to the fans, what that moment meant. And they'll take that energy with them, they'll bottle it and they'll take it to the next match and use it. Yeah, they do play West Ham, Aston Villa, who have a new manager and Unai Emery. I was looking at that game a few days mm. ago and I was thinking, oh, should take a few points from that one. Uh, the way that Steven Gerrard's Villa are playing. Now yeah. they've sacked him and got a manager who beat United in the Europa League final just a yeah. few months ago. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see. But yeah, United are playing okay at the moment. Signs that things are clicking and we saw elements of it in the Chelsea game, although you know, we saw an element of, well, we saw the game against Spurs controlled, but perhaps via a different method in terms of the energy that they could, they contributed and this kind of thing. This was more of a, I'm talking about the 35 minutes where they did have the control before the change was made. Yeah. That it was a bit more intelligent, perhaps, you know, a bit more uh, clever and they were using their positional mindset uh, in order to kind of work their way around Chelsea's midfield to create chances. They didn't make the most of it. And there is... I'm seeing a lot of flags and a lot of concerns about United not taking the chances that they're getting. But I think that'll come in time. Obviously, we know that they need to sign a striker. Um, They're not as clinical as they should be, but I think that is something that will happen down the line once a new striker is added and once the players get more used to playing this way, I guess. I I think that's just an optimistic way of looking at it. No, I think it's actually the correct way of looking at it. It doesn't matter if you're optimistic or negative. I think ultimately, you know, when you look at where Man United have been, how they've been under other managers, how their projects have progressed and now where we are with Ten Hag, it's better to be creating the chances and not putting them away than not creating chances. So I I, I feel good about that when you look at the stats after a game and you see that United had 10, 11, 12 shots on target and, you know, 20 attempts on goal. Because to me, that's like a 50% success rate of being able to work the goalkeeper. Now, we've had games, I can remember Mourinho days of doing, you know, the games and sat there with stats after a match before press conferences and whatnot and seeing that United had four shots on goal, one on target, and you drew the game nil-nil. And you're like, "Mm, I don't know how this goes forward from here because we're seeing this all the time week after week. With Ten Hag, it is positive because they're doing the work, they're creating chances, and, and I think goals and the ball going in the net just is a cyclical thing. Eventually, the ball will go in the net and you'll hammer someone five or six nil and people will go, oh, suddenly you're, you've clicked into action. And I think all Premier League teams have that issue of, 
of trying to consistently score. And that's why City went and bought Haaland. Because City were like, well, we do score goals, but we need to score more. So we're going to go this route. So United do need a striker. They do need to move away from the the eclipse of Cristiano Ronaldo over the football club. And you do need a number nine who can go out and help you score goals and win football matches. We'll do some uh, suggestions as to who that could be later in the show. We will. Uh, Casemiro, though. We talked, Rob, a few weeks ago about him not being integrated properly, but yeah, for me, we're seeing now a man at the peak of his powers. It, you can see the midfield, just that security that he brings in front of the defence is just obvious to see. And yeah. it feels like the two midfielders in front of him have that security blanket behind them and they know that they have that now as well. Yeah. Casemiro the other day against Chelsea was, I know he scored the goal, but even throughout the game, his passing is something that you shouldn't be surprised at, but he's very clever. He's calm under pressure. Uh-huh. And obviously there were a number of battles that he won. I remember him tackling Raheem Sterling three or four times, Mason Mount as well. He just knows exactly where to be, knows exactly how to clean up. And we're not going to get a massive long window of the best of Casemiro perhaps, or maybe this is something that he can do when he's up to speed for the next for the next few years for the duration of his contract who knows but he's very smart and we're starting to see him integrate and understand the system and the league and flourish for me yeah totally and this is you know when we talked about Casemiro over many many weeks and about maybe the concerns and the worries and lack of minutes and whatever i think when you look at what he can provide for you at his very best he just gives you that tactical versatility so United playing 4-3-3 primarily under Ten Hag. Again, before the season, we debated this. Would it be 4-2-3-1? Would it be a 4-3-3? You know, is it going to be a more Dutch system? Is it going to be slower? Or is he going to play counter-press? Whatever. Again, you've got someone who can let you do all that stuff now. United never had that. So you have Casemiro playing in this kind of 4-1-2-3. Let's Ericsson go. Let's Bruno go. And you've got a defensive midfielder who's not sitting deep, but playing just in that zone to go and gobble up all the the territory around someone like Raheem Sterling. Now, Man United have struggled for so long, haven't they? Playing that double pivot with McTominay and Fred, having to just try and outwork people in that parts of the pitch, when that really shouldn't be how it is. You need to progress the ball from the front in front of the back four. So that's what Casemiro gives you. Casemiro doesn't need to be the best passer of the ball in the world. He just needs to be someone that can get his foot on the ball, tackle people and get the ball moving again. And he's done that so well, Scott. I think these minutes that we're seeing now, if this is the blueprint for how Casemiro will be at Man United, Man United will just gain more points because Casemiro is in your team. And that's a huge thing for Ten Hag because that's just security blanket that not all players bring to your squad. Yeah, when we when we saw the obviously the Frankie de Jong links in the summer and the yeah. suggestions were that Ten Hag wants Frankie de Jong to sit in this position, different type yeah. of player, different profile of player, does get the yeah. ball moving, can can carry it. But the, the speculation over his position at Barcelona persists about them wanting to sell him because he vacates that area with the ball. He does. And yeah. he vacates that area without the ball as well. Casemiro is yeah. a different profile who will sit in and protect and has that smart. And he can, he can still do the other things, but that's not his game. And mm. I think this is the DM, DM, defensive midfielder. Oh, that's that's FIFA speak. Uh, Very FIFA. Defensive <laughs> midfielder uh, that United have been crying out for for God knows how long. 
Yeah, it's the, it's it's what I like to describe as the modern number six. And, and what I mean by that is that it's not an indeedy defensive midfielder and it isn't a defensive midfielder that basically holds the hand of the back four or the centre-backs. It's someone who can come in and out and do the work and let the ball go from A to B to C much quicker. And that's what Casemiro is. And, and you're right about the De Jong comparison, because that's the issue with De Jong maybe in the Premier League, is that he's a great ball progressor, one of the best in the world. And he does like to dribble with the ball and he does like to bring it out and exploit space. I think you'd rather have a De Jong in front of a Casemiro. De Jong it would almost be Ericsson, I think. I think yeah, that would be absolutely. kind of the the way it looks at the moment. Whereas I think Eric, I think De Jong would probably struggle as a as a doing any of those defensive midfield functions in the Premier League just simply because of his style of play, because he'd want to slow it down and then he'd want to quicken it up by moving the ball out himself. Much more difficult because you get you get even man marked in those areas, you know, unless you actually play the ball quickly, you get found out. And I think this is why Casemiro is now playing, because before you could see that he was playing at La Liga pace. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work in England. You've got to play at English football pace. And now he's got it. You see the ball gets to his foot and he pops it. Where even if it's five yards, Scott, you know, sideways, whatever. It's about possession moving quick. Please do it quickly. And I think it's taken him a month to maybe assimilate to that and Ten Hag to show him all the tactics he wants. I think the other side of this, Scott, is that we're now seeing a Man United squad with genuine kind of outward tactics like this is how we play this is our identity and if we go to Chelsea or if we're at home to Spurs or in the Europa League or we're playing you know playing bottom of the table teams this is how we want to play our football and I'm delighted to see that as United fan because we've been praying for this for years we thought we might get it with Mourinho years ago like a style of football but we didn't like that style of football and it wasn't actually that successful like, at the end of the day. Whereas I think with Ole, you know, there was maybe a lack of style and function. It was probably a little bit more, a bit too regressive at times to try and not lose football matches. And he did an okay job with that, but eventually you just run out of time. Yeah, we'll do we'll do more style talk later in the show <laughs> as well. Uh, there's a section around Spurs, as I've teased a couple of times, and uh, mm-hmm. both that and the striker debate comes into it. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, not all good news. Obviously, United didn't win, but the worst news of the day or oh, the night was Rafa Varane's injury. Not as bad as first feared, mm. uh, but the bad news is that he's going to miss United's remaining six games prior to the World Cup. Uh, by the looks of it, anyway, it's not as we record this, not officially confirmed the diagnosis, but from what we understand, it's a uh, hamstring lesion or something like that not as bad as first feared uh but we'll keep him out for three or four weeks i believe and he might even miss france's first game at the world cup but obviously he was in tears uh thinking the worst fearing the worst at the time Mm -hmm. when the injury was suffered spent a lot of time on the ground but it's good it's good news in a sense we've seen injuries for rafa Varane before which have kept him out for a, a number of weeks but Hopefully, if he doesn't pick up an injury at the World Cup, he will be back post-Christmas and able to slot back into the team. The question now is, what do United do alongside Lisandro Martinez? <laughs> what do they do? I know. This was the thing. During that uh, Chelsea game, it was the one moment where I just, like, all of your, you know, air in the balloon just deflates massively. Because I think when you look at Varane, we know how important he is now to this system and to this starting eleven. Uh, and if it's only three weeks, 
I think we're very lucky with that. Like, I know everyone wants to play at World Cups and that's why he was crying and, you know, he thought he had a really serious injury. Um, but let's be selfish about this as Man United fans. You know, we, we, we're worried about Man United season, aren't we? And I think with, uh, when you look at Varane, with him being out the team, it's going to be a challenge pre-World Cup now, but at least you're running out of games. You've only got a few games left. And it means that someone else gets minutes, probably Lindell or probably Maguire, and you can do something different and you have to modify your, your work around your squad with that. But fingers crossed, like, I'm not counting it till we hear officially from Man United about the injury because we it's still, you know, we think it's three to four weeks. Um, I'd rather he had the World Cup off, Scott. I don't want to be <laughs> horrible. Like, I, I don't want to be horrible to Rafa. Like, I know he would love to go and it's all, every player's dream to go to all these major tournaments when they're on. But I'd like him fit for when we get back. So let's see. And I always think when players go to the World Cup, maybe semi-injured or with a knock or something, can sometimes get exasperated. You get you know, a worse injury off the back of it. I do also think, Scott, we will have to have this debate in weeks to come about what United do at centre-back. So I don't think Varane is a viable long-term option there now. Yeah. Because he just gets injured too often. And I think you need to probably have Varane, Martinez, and what plus one, you know, someone in there that isn't Maguire, that isn't Lindelof, because I do think that those two players will weaken you significantly. And we'll see it in the next few games, isn't it? These guys will get chances now, and you know, they'll, they'll state their own claims before World Cups, won't they? Especially Harry Maguire, captain of the football club, um, England's, you know, Stonewall centre back, he's going to go to the World Cup no matter what. I don't, even if he didn't play any games. Uh, and he needs to play his way into form before that tournament for himself. So let's see if he can come back and do a job. Harry Maguire has obviously had nothing to do with the recent upturn in form, given the injury that he's had. Uh, he's also been dropped as well. Uh, oh, I think he did play against the in the home defeat to Real Sociedad in the Europa League mm. and has this record of playing and United lose this season. Uh, but he's he's meant to be returning to training this week. Victor Lindelof is the option at the moment who is fit and able to stand alongside Lisandro Martinez, who, by the way, I know we've said this a number of times, I bloody love Lisandro Martinez. <laughs> he, he, he is the, just... cult, the cult figure at the football club now, isn't he? And we, we knew it would be like this. And he's, he's such a, a breath of fresh air, isn't he, to having the defence? Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. I mean... United play in the Europa League on Thursday night against Sheriff and have a couple of games in the Premier League. Who do they play? Fulham as well, just before the break. And they've got West Ham this weekend and then Aston Villa away. So two away games and one home. There's also a yeah. game against Villa in the League Cup before we go on uh, international duty, etc., etc. So there's plenty of time for Harry Maguire or plenty of matches for Harry Maguire mm. to get up to match speed. Victor Lindelof is the option along, well with him there as well. Uh, and we'll see. Hopefully, United can maintain the relative security that they've had in defence over the last few games, even if the personnel changes. Yeah, hopefully. I just think the issue will be pace. So I, I still think when you look at United's downfall, maybe over the last few years, the lack of pace at centre-back and in those key positions has been a problem. So we might get to see, I think, Casemiro play more of a defensive midfield role, you know, more of a screening role where he is just kind of plopped in front there as a single pivot, um, just to look after Maguire and Lindelof. Because again, the, the minutes that I've seen from those guys this year, and especially Lindelof, I don't know what you think, Scott, 
he's just still so slow in both his ball progression and the way he moves across the pitch. And you just can't get away with it in the Premier League. Like you will get found out and exposed. And so I'm worried about that because I think Martinez plus one of those two guys. Will United thrive under that? I'm not so sure. It's a different kind of football because you lose all that pace coverage, I think, Varane gives you. But Varane gives you so much intelligence there as well, doesn't he? So United have got no choice. They're going to have to cope without him. And I think we might see United go back to maybe a 4-1-4-1, which is what they played earlier in the season at times, still allowing United to press and go higher up the pitch, but just a slightly different shape. Yeah, maybe Victor Lindelof, to be fair to him, I think he has a lot of the tools that I think an Eric Ten Hag centre-back would require. Obviously, the pace up, the pace thing is... Yeah. It's a bit daily blue. It's an issue. He is, yeah, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. So maybe maybe he is the... I think he's the one of the two that I would maybe expect a higher ceiling from under in an Eric Ten Hag system. Maybe maybe he gets a few games and he gets up to speed and everything's fine. But I know you said a few weeks ago on the show, Rob, that he's a disaster. I never want to see him again. So. Well, is that Europa League game? And it's funny because nothing was made of it where he he gave the ball away, bringing the ball out and he gave it away. They get done on a counter press, one pass, they're in, they score. And it was on Lindelof. And literally no one mentioned it. No one said, oh, you know, Vic Lindelof made a mess there, which is what they would have done 12 months ago. Now it's been like, oh, it's okay. You know, we, you know, we, we got away with it. Well, yeah, you did. But, you, you know, if you play West Ham and you're up against their kind of system, they're kind of playing a functional 4-4-2 at the moment, and you're a Bowen nicks the ball and you've got Skamaka playing well, you've got Antonio, you've got these players running off centre-backs, <clears throat> I think United could be in trouble. They're tough, tougher games now without Varane, obviously. But... Uh, you know, you can't make Lindelof and Maguire quicker. That's the one thing you cannot do. What you can do is protect them a little bit more and make sure that the ball work around there is a little bit more savvy. You also can't make Cristiano Ronaldo quicker because he's 37 oh, years old. Uh, what a segue. Uh, Ronaldo <laughs> has... Uh, <laughs> Ronaldo is due to meet... We record this on Tuesday morning. So Ronaldo is due to meet Eric Ten Hag at Carrington... Uh, today to thrash yes. out the fallout uh, and to find a way to move forward after mm-hmm. he walked off the bench and walked out of the ground before the final whistle. Fair play to him. That's moving fast though. Like to, to get out of the ground, like leave on the 88th, 89th minute, Beat the pick traffic. up your keys, get your bag, get in the car and leave. Yeah. Fair play to him. Like <laughs> nice win, guys. I'm already dressed and I'm off. Bye. Yeah, you know? I know he was. Uh, fair, fair play to Ronaldo for getting out that fast. But obviously, there is an issue here that United need to deal with. Eric Ten Hag has caught some criticism. I don't really think some of the criticism that Ten Hag has had over the last few days for the way he's dealt with this is just—is it made up for views and and this kind of thing? I'm pro- probably a little bit of that. Yes. Goodness me. I think Ten Hag's dealt with this impeccably, to be honest. And he's getting a lot of heat from the likes of Rio Ferdinand Roy Keane uh, for not dealing with it properly and for not telling Cristiano Ronaldo that he would be a, a, a rotational option. I'm sure that that conversation has happened, you know? But obviously... That, that conversation has happened. We, we, we know it's happened and we knew it happened when it happened. So I think the weird thing with all of this is, Scott, is that there is no other player in the world that would have this backing from wider parts of the media or fans 
it's because he's Cristiano. That's yeah. it. You know, like you're saying there about Roy Keane and Rio Ferdinand, but especially Roy Keane. You know, some of Roy Keane's stuff that he, he said after the Chelsea game, it's just outrageous. Outrageous because <laughs> discipline is such a big part of his, uh, his cultural background and how he played the game and everything. And he's kind of just saying, that doesn't matter, does it? Because he's Ronaldo. He'd score your goal. He'd do this. Well, the stats don't say that. Look at the stats. He doesn't just score the goals. It doesn't work like that. If it did, you'd play him, wouldn't you? If he scored goal every week and everyone else could do the work, that's how you play football, Scott. But it doesn't work like that. So it's it's odd. I think Ten Hag's done a stellar job with it. Absolute stellar job. He's been calm, composed, authoritative. He's made the decision, fined him, suspended him temporarily, explained what happened, you know, in terms of his viewpoint. And he says it's unacceptable. I'm not doing that with any player. And we move forward. That's the right way to handle it. If that being Jose Mourinho or say Louis van Gaal, oh my God. You know, someone like Louis van Gaal, like, like, it would have been two weeks of mad explosions behind the scenes. Yeah. It really would have been. It would have been like wars and fights and people falling out. But what Ten Hag has done is just diffused it all and just gone, I'm not going to get treated like this. I'm not a mug. I'm the manager of this football club. I get paid a lot of money. This is my responsibility. And Cristiano Ronaldo gets told what to do because he's my player. I'm good with that. I don't think you could do anything more for Cristiano. I think his ego is bigger than anyone in footballs. And sometimes you have to taper those egos if it's going to hurt your team or or your selection or you feel forced to do stuff. Because I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did. I think he felt forced by Ronaldo to play a certain way. What happened to Ole, Scott? Mm, he lost his job, didn't he, because of it? Because, of, you know, United were not very good, came six. People keep telling me Ronaldo scored all the goals last year. I keep telling them United drew 10 Premier League games and lost 12. I don't care who scores the goals in that kind of team. You need a team that wins. And unfortunately, Ronaldo doesn't really help Man United win. Yeah, so we'll see how uh, they deal with it. I think uh, what I would expect to happen... Although I'm not ruling out that Ronaldo just goes on holiday, maybe Ronaldo is not going to sit there and accept this uh, rotation role that he's mm. been given. We are got to remember we're talking about a 37 year old man. He, like he is, yes, he is one of the greatest players of all time, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. But Rob, you had a you had a stat about pressures and that you talked of uh, before we started recording. Ronaldo's. Uh, pressure metrics are just 50% less than all of the other United forwards and below the average, which the other United forwards are at, Rashford, Martial, Bruno Fernandes. If he's not pulling, not pulling his weight, but if he's not meeting those requirements and it's letting the team or it's making the team look different, Ten Hag's got to act in the best interest of the club, not in the best interest of one player. And we'll see uh, what happens here. Maybe Ronaldo will not accept this. And we are, as I say, speaking before this meeting has happened. So, there's a chance that uh, this conversation will be outdated by the time it comes out. But I think Ronaldo will, I think they'll, will find a way to, Ronaldo will play against Sheriff. Ronaldo will come on here and there. He'll play in the Europa League. He'll play in the League Cup. He'll get some Premier League minutes under him. I don't think he'll want to leave in the manner, like of the way he left Old Trafford and leave that as the lasting memory. I think ideal scenario is he's reintegrated and then we get to the end of the season prior to the World Cup. And then we're like, this is the decision we're going to make. You can go. I think that's the ideal scenario. Yeah, they're going to stage manage it because, you know, they've still got to protect their shirt tails, Man United. It's kind of, it's part of this whole conversation. Like, it's it's the horrible part of it. But 
that it's some reality there. Just going back to what you said there about the pressure metrics and stuff like that. It's one thing being maybe slightly below the average or um, kind of just being off it. Ronaldo lives in a different universe to most players in terms of the pressure metrics. And that's a problem because it's the complete opposite end of the scale. He's in the bottom percentile in Europe for pressurising the ball. You can't live like that. Not at a club like Man United. You've got to do a certain amount of work. When you look at Rashford is around 15, Bruno's around 15, Martial around 13, and the average is around 15 pressures per game. You could go and get an Osman whose pressures are 13 and a half and bring him up to speed. Ronaldo's pressures are seven and a half. It's so far off where it needs to be. That is the core reason why he's not playing games or doesn't, or I say he's not playing games. He has played 700 minutes this year, but this is why he is not the star of the team anymore. This is why he's been pulled out at times. And this is why Ten Hag must have moved forward without him. United have to find a new number nine at some point, And all of these things are going to collide with each other. I think the World Cup, as I said, will be a kind of dress rehearsal for a certain amount of strikers with the transfer window straight after and Man United, I'm sure, will be banging on some doors. Uh, people have said to me this week, football isn't played on a stat sheet, Rob. And I'm like, yeah, but Eric Ten Hag sits there with his sports science teams and looks at this every day. They do. Every other day, they'll be looking through these stats. And unfortunately, be looking at Ronaldo's stats and he'll be scared. He'll be thinking, I can't put this guy out. They can't do it for me. Let's see where Man United go from here. I think with Cristiano, it's over, isn't it, really? Let's be honest. It's finished. It's just how they manage that now, his exit. They'll want it to be some kind of like fond farewell as opposed to it being this horrible, you know, bitter divorce between player and club. But what can you do if Ronaldo wants to walk off in the 89th minute in front of the whole world, Scott? What do you do as a football club? You have to discipline him. I don't care what Roy Keane or Rio Ferdinand thinks about that. They would not have allowed that to happen on their watch as players at Manchester United. No way. The likes of Keane and Ferdinand have taken issue with, I think there's more Ferdinand, taken issue with the fact that Ten Hag's not been clear in what he's saying. He's in my plans. I'm using quote marks if you're listening on a podcast there. Is it's not exactly specific, and some people are taking that as oh, he should be playing every minute, but he can be in his plans and be sat on the bench, rotated in, and used yeah. as you would use any other 37 year old footballer with a lot of experience. He is in his plans, like that, 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 that is in his plans. <laughs> yeah, they are actual plans, Rio Ferdinand and Roy Keane, and everyone else. Like, that's how you do it. Rio Ferdinand in his final season when he went to QPR and all, he didn't play every game because he couldn't because he just got old. And that's that's a that's a real thing that you have to contend with as a manager, isn't it? And I know Roy Keane said, oh, there was an incident, Paul Scholes refused to play a League Cup game and he got fined and suspended. And he used that as an example. Sir Alex Ferguson absolutely smashed Paul Scholes for that. Paul Scholes says today, when you talk to him about it, worst thing I ever did, I should never have done that, should never have said that, but I was young and I was in stupid and inexperienced. Cristiano Ronaldo is the icon of world football. He knows what it means. So no defence of Cristiano. And it's it's strange that so many of these pundits that, that are legends and that understand the game would choose to side with him. I'm, I'm totally on Team Ten Hag on this. I think he's managing it perfectly. And eventually Cristiano will go and we'll buy a new striker. Uh, we have reported on 90min.com over the last few weeks and again earlier this week that Ten Hag simply needs this exit to happen at some point because mm. I'm sick of hearing about Ronaldo not playing or 
talking about conversations about Ronaldo when he's not in the squad or when he's walking off or when he's had nothing to do with the game. Can I imagine how Eric Ten Hagmas feels to be getting peppered with questions every press conference and every time he meets with journalists? Yeah. Even though it's he's a not bit playing. Like the Paul, it's a bit like the Paul Pogba thing though, isn't it? It's like, we can talk about it till we're blue in the face and talk about the pros, the cons and all of this. And, and there were different things with Paul Pogba. But the issue is that when one player takes up so much energy, it is not a positive thing for the squad. And like we say this, don't we, off camera and when we're planning stuff and when we're trying to talk about what we're going to say on our shows, is that Ronaldo ends up having to be in there simply because he's Ronaldo. Otherwise, as I said, if this was Garnacho, we would not be talking about it. Do you know what I mean? We just wouldn't be. We wouldn't, or not in this kind of level anyway. So I think when he goes, in the same way that when Paul Pogba left, you know, it's like, you know, cheerio, Paul. You, you, there's a relief. You know, it's kind of like, oh, we can get on with some football now, isn't it? Because Cristiano impacts the football negatively. That's why he doesn't play. And I think fans have to start getting on board with that. I know they won't. I said on one of my other shows, Scott, in years to come, like 10 years time, people will be looking back at this period and going... Do you remember when Ronaldo should have played more games? Oh, weren't we stupid? They will say it. They will never change the narrative now because they will always support him. He is the LeBron James of football. Yeah, it doesn't matter how well he plays. They love him and they will always love him. They'll always support him. But, you know, as I keep saying, I support that team. And that's who I want to win and play well. And if Ronaldo helped us win football matches, I'd be the first one saying put him in the team. Less, you mentioned there, Rob, you know, he will need a new striker at some point in 2023. And me, both you and I have said, (laughs) have put two and two together and connected the dots on our own uh, different podcasts outside of this one. uh, That it wouldn't shock me to see Harry Kane (laughs) and the links to Harry Kane come back around. So there's some context for you here. Uh, I said earlier in the show that we touch on Antonio Conte and Harry Kane and what do they have to do with Man United? So there's two uh, elements to this. One, I'm looking at Spurs having lost two consecutive games, having been outplayed by Man United and Newcastle, who are top Mm. seven rivals, top four rivals, you could say. Newcastle are now in the top four. Spurs are still third, but Spurs' record against big teams in the league this season has been awful so far. They've been outplayed pretty much by everyone. Antonio Conte is not the front foot manager that... um, you know, and I, I put a tweet out the other day that do you remember? It was probably about this time last year where United were getting pelted for not picking up Antonio Conte uh, because of his combustibility, his style of play. You've seen him call out Matt Doherty in a press conference recently. And, and that, mm. that is so much worse than what Eric Ten Hag has done. And yet yes. Antonio Conte, then nobody bats an eyelid because it's Conte. And he said, yeah, I'm not silly enough to play Matt Doherty at right, right wing back. And now I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, Ten Hag has just schooled Conte. Yes, United are beneath Spurs in the league at the moment, but things are starting to click for United. And I'm starting to see an upward trajectory. It's not changed yet, but let's do Conte first and we'll come on to Harry Kane in a second. Things can change very fast. But as it happens, not everything's rosy there. I'm seeing Antonio Conte come out in uh, after the match and say, I've just not got enough players, lads. I, I need more players. You need to give me more money. It's not a contract at the end of the season. Are they going to give you more money to buy players when you're just going to walk off? Sorry, Rob, absolutely, go for it. Ab- absolutely not. No way. So you're out of contract, and, and this is all part of the Conte posturing, and this is also why 
United were wary of going down the Conte route because they could have done. He was available and you could have gone and got him at that point and made a big, big thing of it. But it would have been more short termism. I get why Spurs wanted him and I get also why he went to Spurs. You know, I think it was a, a decent project for him. But we know he likes to manage in a certain way. And it, it, I'm not saying Conte is exactly like Jose, but there is that link in terms of short-termism, combustible management, and then just getting out of there and being gone. And so I've done my job for a year or two and I'm done. So that contract will expire. And there's no doubt there'll be other big clubs after him. So for Spurs, if Spurs do well, then there's a chance that Conte might go to another big club or something like that. But you kind of, you, like you just said there, United's options with Ten Hag and how they've done it. Ten Hag is building something. There's no doubt about it. It's not going to be perfect in the weeks and months ahead, but you use the word the up, upward tra trajectory. That's exactly how it feels. Like you watch the football. You said he scored Conte. I think he did. I think he scored Potter for most of the game. Mm -hmm. So these are all the managers around him. He's beaten Liverpool. You know, he's beaten Arsenal. And people don't seem to be particularly high on him. So it's strange, isn't it? Because... I think that's the thing with United and the expectations is sometimes we expect too much. I think other times, you know, you've just got to be patient around the project. I'm, I, I think with Conte, I, I think United did the right thing in the end. And I wanted Conte United at that point. I was like, he's a good option. Great managers proved it obviously all over the place. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't understand why Ten Hag isn't maybe getting the kudos he deserves. Yeah, obviously I think it might be, an element of it because he's fifth, sixth in the table. But United do have a game in hand. If they win that game in hand, which I believe is against, yeah, might be Leeds, who are awful at the moment. You know, if if he picks up three points in that, the pitch had changed completely. United are in the top four. So, um, obviously, I, want, I wanted to touch on that because I'm just thinking. I'm looking at Spurs and the way that they play, and I'm looking at Newcastle who are coming up. I'm looking at United who are on the upward trajectory, as we just said. Mm. Chelsea are not really clicking yet but you get the feeling that they will improve at some point under Graham Potter Tottenham have you know blown some teams away this season but invariably not been all that good to watch mm. have been beaten by uh, direct rivals have Liverpool to come in the next few weeks Spurs need to get in the top four I'm just going to put it out there they, they have put all their eggs in this basket they need to get in the top four they've got Antonio Conte who has eight months left on his contract I did see somewhere that there was an extension clause, but if they don't get in the top four, Conte's gone. Like, don't get me wrong. Conte is gone and he will want to go. Also, Harry Kane is out of contract next summer. Not, not in 2023, in 2024. Mm -hmm. So we are entering next summer, the final year of Harry Kane's contract. Spurs hoping he will resign, but Bayern Munich making, making a lot of noises around Harry Kane at the moment, saying mm -hmm. he's a great player. He's a great player. Not really suggested at the moment too publicly that Man United could be in the frame for him. But if you think that United need a striker, they're losing Ronaldo. Martial's got injury problems. There's not many strikers on the market. United will have more money to invest next summer. United love a commercial signing. He's the England captain. If United get top four and Spurs don't, they are right in the race for this lad. And why would Harry Kane sign a new contract at Spurs again if Conte's going to go let's say Pochettino comes in, for example, and the cycle that he was in six years ago is going to start again. There's other options for him. There really is. And new, I put Newcastle in that. I put Chelsea in that as well. They're probably going to need a new striker at some point too. So I think this is uh, something that we might be talking about over the next few weeks. If Spurs is uh downward trajectory, 
continues. I think so. And, and, you know, I think when you look at the Harry Kane story and what's to come and what's already been, uh, you know, he really did want to go to Man City, but that door is well and truly closed. They've got Haaland. They're not going back there. Um, I don't see Liverpool being in for Harry Kane or looking at that kind of wage package. I just don't think it would be attractive to them. You mentioned Newcastle there. Now, I said this again six months ago with Harry Kane, is that if he's looking for a new project in adverted commas and he's looking for something that, that he's the centrepiece of, then Newcastle is going to be very attractive. And look at us. Here we are now, a few months on, and Newcastle are now viable, aren't they? They're on the edge of the top four. They've got a really good team. The manager's doing really well there. And they're building something through a process of how they want to do stuff. And there's no doubt that post-World Cup, they will want to go and spend some dollars. They just will. So you've got Harry Kane there. But you've got Man United, haven't you? If Man United can show, again, that they're viable, that they're in the top four, that they potentially will be competing next year for a title, in the way that Arsenal have. So Arsenal went from being bottom of the table last year, working their way back up, and now here they are, top of the table. That journey is there. We've all seen it. If United could follow a similar path, I think Harry Kane would be very, very interested to come to Old Trafford. Very interested. So they can offer him the wage. They can offer him the platform, the status. Like you just said there, he's England captain. United would love that to have him at the football club. And I think he would enjoy all of the extra perks and benefits you get of being a Manchester United footballer globally, because you do. You get all sorts of endorsements that you just don't get at other football clubs. So Man United got a shirt deal coming up soon as well. So they're going to need a superstar to sell some shirts once Ronaldo's out the door and Ronaldo will be out the door. I think Harry Kane fits the bill. Talking about football as well, though, Scott, he suits. He's a perfect fit. He he is, absolutely. Yeah. The perfect fit for playing 4-3-3, 4-1-2-3, 4-2-3-1, all those systems. Harry Kane works in all of them perfectly. As you said there, the contract situation would mean that you're not paying the 120 million, maybe 130 million that Spurs would value him at. You're probably paying half of that. So if you're playing half of that, you can pay him half a million pound a week in wages because Ronaldo's gone. And you can move forward with Harry Kane as your centrepiece. But you can see that, can't you? I think Kane, Sancho, Anthony with Martial and Rashford in and out gives you a very flexible front five or six that will both press, that has skill and has goals in it. And that's what Kane will add, isn't it? We talked earlier at the start of the show about goals and one thing or another. United need a goal scorer. Harry Kane can score goals with his eyes closed. There are links with Bayern Munich. Obviously, they've made uh, no secret of their interest in him. They've lost Robert Lewandowski to Barcelona in the summer. Plenty of goals on show or on offer for Harry Kane in Germany. However, he he's made no secret of it. He has that Premier League all-time goal-scoring target in mind. It's about to say it. Yeah, I, I don't think that he... I think going to Bayern Munich is great for Sadio Mane because Sadio Mane has done the Premier League thing, ticked all the boxes, won all the trophies and gone. Well done, Sadio. He's, he's earned that. Same thing with Mohamed Salah. I think he'll do that with Liverpool eventually. He'll move on to a bigger club in a year or two, no matter what his contract situation says. Harry Kane, and the thing as well with English players in general, tend not to go and make that leap of faith and jump. You know, young players have, like we've seen Sancho and Bellingham, because it's a great first platform in the Bundesliga. Yeah, Bayern Munich win the title, but, you know, is he going to be bragging about his Bundesliga championships in years to come, like when he's retired? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of value in that all-time Premier League record. You know, I think that that's something he would be interested in. And also being the guy that 
reboots Man United. That is the, is the cherry on the Ten Hag cake. If you can do that, that's real legacy, isn't it? And I still think that there is there, there is that for footballers at the moment, that they feel that being part of this United project now it has, has positive connotations to them. I think uh, Harry Kane would, would enjoy uh, becoming one of our own. Speculation for you. Uh, just wait, wait and see. For now, speculation. For now. It's, for, it's for speculation, now, but there are seeds being sown. Like, not, I don't want to talk anymore about that, but there are. There, there's no doubt, I think, when you look at Harry Kane, that uh, he will be looking at his options. Because I don't, I don't think what's going on at Spurs, you, I, it, it, it's not pretty. You know, like they, I think they might go back to Pochettino eventually. I can see that happening. But as you said there, does, does Kane want to reboot that cycle and start again and go back to... The thing is, he is literally starting again from the point he was at when he signed the six-year deal. And he's too old. Like, he's too, too old, old yeah. to just to just do it again. But, you know, moving a few, like a couple hundred miles up the, up the road to Manchester is doable, isn't it? Like you can do that and say, okay, you know, United want to take on City. I would have gone to Man City, but hey, I'm doing my Robin Van Persie move. You know, I'm at a club that I loved and worked for for a long time. But I'm done with that now because it doesn't work for me. So I'm, I've got two, three, four years now to to maybe win a Premier League title. So if Man United can offer him that, you know, it, the results for this season is really important, Scott. You know, like if United can offer him that at the end of the season and say we are a credible, you know, credible football team again under Ten Hag, which hopefully we will be, then I think Harry Kane could come to Old Trafford. If any uh, non-United fans are listening to this, uh, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Honestly, <laughs> they're, they're I once right. said I once said Ronaldo could come back to Man United, and people were like, "No way!" And I was like, "If the money is right, Cristiano Ronaldo would quite like a pop at that. That's what he'd quite like." You know, it's you know, it's all gone horrible in Italy, and what's your other options? Man United were a good option for him. I think for Harry Kane, it's a similar situation. Not that he's at mm-hmm. the end of his career, but it's his last chance, isn't it? Like, he's now not going to go to Man City. That in itself is really powerful. So that's out of the equation for United to be able to do maybe six months of schmoozing. If you don't get Harry Kane, it's not the end of the world. You know, I think there are other really good strikers out there. But he would really help Ten Hag play he that does, 4 3 He does make a lot of sense. There are other younger strikers out there who would be better longer-term options, but in terms yeah. of if you want a Premier League-proven goal scorer who can fit into the system almost perfectly, if the stars align, I'm just saying it wouldn't be out of the question because I do maybe think between, United would be interested yeah. in it. Maybe between now and then to the end of the season, maybe the key fact will be, does he get injured? Because he hasn't got injured for a long time now. He's actually had much more health. I think he's just... Did he just break the record for consecutive Premier League starts? I think it's something like 50 or 60-odd, you know, like in for, for Spurs. And and he's never done that before. He's always got injured. He's always had a year where he's been out with that knee injury or that calf injury, and it repeated. So maybe at the end of the season, if that has happened and the injuries there, United might not go, eh, I don't want to pay this guy a million pounds a week because he'll sit on our bench and he'll be injured. That could be the deciding factor in this one. The reality of it is at the moment, though, that Man United are in the Europa League and they play Sheriff on Thursday night. So uh, we are expecting, <laughs> as as we record this, expect, expecting Ronaldo to feature at some point if that changes in the other direction. Obviously, we're recording this prior to the meeting with Ten Hag, but this is a game that United should be winning and scoring goals in. 
Yes, let's hope so. Because I, th- I think as well, we've seen with Ten Hag, you know, even though I have a, a complete apathy towards the Europa League and I'm always very outward about that apathy, um, there's Ten Hag's been playing his strongest teams in it. So I think that Ten Hag will be going out there to score goals and win the game. And certainly with your position in the Europa League, and the benefits of what you get for coming first. Like there are, there's a big benefit in this one. And 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 uh, obviously at the end of it, when you win the tournament, the Champions League opportunities, I think you'll see him put out a fairly strong team. And let's be honest, like Ronaldo wasn't very good against Nicosia. And I said, there's Nicosia like a league one standard club. Sheriff are better than that. <sighs> Where's the line? Do you play him for 70 minutes or do you go the other route and maybe give him 25, half, half an hour off the bench because he may, he's not been in your squad, has he? He's been training with the kids. So uh, I think he'll start, but I think overall, I think we'll be seeing less Cristiano Ronaldo minutes as we move forward rather than more. Yeah, I don't want to do too much on this Sheriff game because it is Europa League. Hopefully United yeah. go and win wouldn't surprise me if we saw a little bit of rotation because I feel like the players are starting to get to that point where they understand what's being demanded. Although we could, every chance we could see a full strength team from Ten Hag again. But, you know, uh, this one, you just got to get by this and concentrate on that West Ham game at the Mm -hmm. weekend because United have three winnable games now. And if they can win those three games, chances are they'll be in the top four by the time that the World Cup rolls around. Yeah, you need to be positioned, don't you, for that last game of the chat of the Europa League. You need to make sure you've got your points. So I'm sure I, I think the thing we've seen this year with Ten Hag is that he just hasn't rotated. He's only done it when he's forced, like when someone's injured. And at the moment, he's lost Varane, isn't he? So you're going to get some maybe natural rotation in there. Martial's still not quite ready, so probably won't play in this game. So I think the numbers kind of speak for themselves in terms of how he's doing it. But uh, I still think he sees Europa League as a chance of winning a trophy. You know, it's much more probably enthused about it than maybe some fans are, certainly me. Um, but uh, but but the Premier League games now, you've got to win those games. I mean, you've got to you've got to keep yourself well placed, even if you're not in the top four, Scott. If you're one point or two points off it going into the World Cup, I think Ten Hag and Man United would absolutely take that. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Rob? We'll wrap up very shortly. We've done a fair bit today. Yeah, look, World Cup season is upon us. There's going to be a lot more chat directed towards the tournament, uh, Man United players. I, I think, I, again, sounds boring, doesn't it? Kind of just content with how the manager's doing the, the job and the, and the project. And just really happy to see Man United now have a bit of an identity. For me, that maybe is the only part where the anxiety is. You know, will they maintain this? You know, will they take their foot off the gas? Will there be issues? Will there be injuries? When Varane went off, then I I was a bit like, oh, like we've lost Varane. So I think the next few weeks might be about Mr. Harry Maguire again. Maybe we'll be talking about England's Harry Maguire once more. Yep, that's it for the show today. You can subscribe wherever you get your pods. All the different platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and tons of others. I can't, I can't recall them all. That's just what I've got in my notes. You can watch us on YouTube twice a week as well on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, like, subscribe, leave a comment as well. Do you think Harry Kane might end up at Man United in 2023? <laughs> just putting that question out there. I don't think it's impossible. I'm just saying that. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. Spurs have to... Uh, fail miserably this season in order for that to happen or maybe it'll happen anyway let's see uh and a reminder too you can find us on twitter at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show we'll be back on friday rob thank you very much